And uh, my mom called, and uh, she was just kind of checking in. She actually texted, and then I called her, and, and I was kind of sharing with her kind of the progress and what was happening. And, and she said, you know, Ben, she said, I have seen that when the enemy comes in, she said this, and I wrote it down, the Spirit of the Lord will rise up against the enemy. I said, thank you, Mom, absolutely. And uh, boy, what a powerful truth that my mom was sharing with me, and I wrote it down. I said, Mom, that's exactly what I preached two weeks earlier, that the Spirit of God is our contender, right? And uh, just I don't want you to forget this. In Psalm chapter 35, verse 1, this is David. He says, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. And certainly in sickness and in other areas, the enemy comes in, but the Spirit of the Lord rises up and fights our battles. Amen? The full authority of the kingdom of God is on our side. I want to remind us of that. So no matter what we face, we have the Spirit that helps us, enables us. Romans 8, 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And when we're weak... We know that the Lord is strong, and uh, certainly I'm thankful for the Word. I'm thankful for my family, for my mom, for her encouragement this past weekend or this past week. And, uh, and today, as we continue this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, this mini-series is more than just a few messages put together. We are relating to our mission that we are a Spirit-filled church. Let's say that together. We are a spirit-filled church. This is our identity. And as I sat with that truth on Friday morning, the Lord gave me this picture that it's not who we are and that we invite people in so we can kind of kind of hold it together and we, and we protect ourselves. No, it's not that kind of identity. It's our identity, not in an inward-focused way, but it's our identity so we can be outward focused to reach one more. To reach one more. That's why we exist. To reach one more with the gospel so that one more person will not have to spend an eternity away from Christ. That's why we are here. That's our identity. And the Spirit helps us to do that. And we certainly are asking the Holy Spirit to do that. And so it's more than a series. What we are describing this, uh, these few weeks is an opportunity to model and then to keep it ongoing, to lay out a welcome mat saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome in my day-to-day you're welcome, uh, of course, corporately as a church, but you're welcome here on the lakeshore to move, and, uh, and we want to do that. And when we realize as we lay out this welcome mat, the Holy Spirit awareness needs to increase in our lives. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need His wisdom and His favor, and we need, we need Him to be moving in our lives. We do not have enough of the Holy Spirit to face what our next season is. The next month or two months, we do not have enough of the Holy Spirit today in order to face what's ahead. 
There are some here, unfortunately, I would say, that don't even have enough of the Holy Spirit to face today, and we're going to change that by the power of the presence of God this morning. And uh, we said this a couple weeks ago in week one, that we need a fresh affirmation of Pentecostal theology, and I've sat with that thought, and, and I do believe that, but I think we need a more of a fresh affirmation of Pentecostal experience, and to really understand and to experience what the Lord can can do what the Holy Spirit can do in and through our lives. I believe our Achilles heel, if we could uh, say it in that way, for the assemblies of God, it's not a doctrinal problem. Uh, I believe that our Pentecostal uh, uh, theology is strong. It's defendable, certainly. Um, I, I think the problem sometimes is that we don't practice the presence of God like we should, um, and we don't give people an opportunity, we don't leave room uh, for the Holy Spirit, and so certainly today and, and as we move forward through the season, through Christmas, we want the Holy Spirit, we want to give Him plenty of room to move in our lives on Sundays, but then also day in and day out. This weekend, or this week, one of the things, I was three days out of the office this week, one of the days I was in Detroit, and uh, Jim Simbola, he's the pastor at the Revival Tabernacle Church. Um, is that it? Revival Tabernacle? Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, thank you. Um, I knew that was wrong. Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. Uh, his wife is the Grammy, uh, five-time Grammy winner, uh, choir, um, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. But Jim Simbola, uh, he was sharing this week and um, just really uh, captured my heart. But he said something that caught my attention. He said, very few people believe 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And I wrote it down and then I went back to look at it. In fact, I want us to look at it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Again, we're not going to have it on the screen today, um, but you can follow along in your Bible or on your phone, uh, certainly, or just listen. Um, listen to what it says. <clears throat> and this is what Jim Simbola said. He said, very few people believe this verse. It says here in verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the part that he was focusing in on was the to each one. There is no one that is here, if you are a Christ follower, if you've accepted Jesus as is your personal Savior, that is exempt from this verse. To each one, the manifestation of the gifts are given for the common good. And I've got the question, when is the last time that the Lord has used you with his supernatural gifts, a message of wisdom or of knowledge or of faith or healing or miraculous power? When is the last time the Lord has used you in, with the prophetic or the distinguishing of spirits or tongues and interpretation of tongues? That's certainly that's where the list goes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's another list of spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, where it talks about gifts of teaching and evangelism and gifts of giving and hospitality, the gift of serving. When's the last time you served in the name of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit gives you that gift? gift of serving or a gift of encouragement and you come alongside someone and it's the spiritual gift at work in your life 
to encourage, or the gift of leadership. And, and uh, he, says, uh, um, he said, man, many people will read right past that and think it's for the elite or for the, the leaders of the church, and it's not. It's for every single person, young and old, in this room, and uh, every single Christ follower to experience the gifts of the Spirit at work in their lives. And my guess is that there are many believers that are being underutilized for the kingdom's sake. And I say that with all humility, and I don't want to you know, seem like I'm coming down with a big hammer, but listen, we have some work to do. We need to be engaged. Uh, many have experienced the Holy Spirit's work, and uh, if we had a show of hands, which I'm not going to this morning, uh, but I know that, there, that the Spirit has worked in many of your lives. Um, sometimes we get this mentality, it's kind of, oh, I did that once, and now I'm done, or you know that sort of thing. And the problem, uh, one pastor from Washington, D.C., Pastor Schmigal, said this, that most people have, have the will to be filled once, but few people have the drive to get on their knees day after day and seek to be filled and to be refilled for the glory of God. And the truth is, I'm guilty at times. And so the encouragement through these messages is to discover or rediscover the Holy Spirit, to invite people, to invite us to honor the Holy Spirit with our lives to do, to lay out a welcome mat. And with God's help, I think he's going to do it and he's going to help us in that. Quick review of week one, we talked about the Holy Spirit, how he hovers the first three uh, um, uh, in, for instances in scripture. Uh, the Holy Spirit was hovering, kind of bringing order to chaos. How many are grateful that the Holy Spirit still does that in our lives? He takes our chaotic lives and brings order. He contends for us. And I already shared a little bit about that, but we really landed week one with this idea that the Holy Spirit fills us to make us better. And uh, not to make us better than someone else, but it's a better you. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you are better with whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever your, your school environment is, whatever your relationships, you are better when the Holy Spirit is active in your life. If you continue throughout the Old Testament, and we don't have time to do this, it is a fascinating study. Um, the Holy Spirit would come on an individual for a specific time and a specific place and for a specific purpose. And, uh, and then all of that changed. We see that in David and Samson and Nehemiah and Isaiah and Jonah. The list goes on and on. And uh, last week, Pastor Pale came into this idea that the Holy Spirit, he lives in us now that at the day of Pentecost from Acts chapter two, a new day dawned in the church. That it wasn't uh, single instances where the Holy Spirit would come upon someone for a specific reason. Instead, now the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And let's just turn to a couple verses there. John chapter 14 is one of those that we, I think we highlighted. I didn't take notes last week and I was trying to remember, Pastor. But I think um, you might have brought this up in uh, John 14. Uh, verse starting verse 15 you can read along it's not on the screen again but it, if you love me you will obey what i command this is jesus talking and i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him and this is the key for how do we know the holy spirit because he lives with you and will be 
in you. That's the promise. That's what we experience on this side of eternity. That was prophesied in Joel chapter 2. I love it where it says, and afterward, after what? After repentance in that context, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Every single believer, the Spirit, is injected and helps us. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your your young men will see visions. Even on the servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. What days are we talking about? We're talking about today. The Spirit of God is active and He's living inside of us. The Holy Spirit makes us better. And there's a very real sense, we've acknowledged this both weeks, that there is a sense that God has the capacity to give us more. And so he has the ability to dump his spirit, but we have the capacity to receive more as well. And we want to be in a place where we can receive everything that the Holy Spirit has. And that's certainly Uh, It's our identity by name. We're a spirit-filled church, but we want it to be more than just lip service or by name only. It's not just a single event. It's not just what's going to happen here at the altar, although God is going to meet us today. We believe that. Today, we want to kind of turn the corner um, on this idea and ask the Holy Spirit, what does a spirit-filled life look like? To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? And I want to just say right up front that uh, you know, certainly there is theology around uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's a kind of a, a typical proof text. We're not going to look at that. We looked at that back in May, and you can go online and listen to that message um, at, uh, during the season of Pentecost. We talked about that. Um, and I, but I really feel like um, you know, certainly there's a pattern there, but when it comes to what normally happens when the Spirit comes, um, I, I've just learned to accept that the Holy Spirit, there's nothing normative about the Spirit of God. We cannot pinpoint or say this is what will happen. Listen, the Spirit of God has free reign in our lives, and we just want to be open to what He has for us. And I was drawn to look at Jesus um, because ultimately the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit kind of working together. But I was drawn to a passage in Luke chapter 3, and I'd like you to turn with me there, and and I think that uh, the Lord is going to help us just to kind of see his heart uh, for what it looks like to be a spirit-filled believer because Jesus, he's our ultimate model, he's our example, and we see this at the early parts of his ministry. What was it like when the Spirit of God came on Jesus? And then we see that in Luke chapter 3, Luke 3, verse 21, we'll start uh, there, and I got to get to the right page here. It says, when all the people were being baptized... This is John the Baptist is baptizing a bunch of people. It says Jesus was baptized too. How many know if you are a believer and have not been baptized, it's time to be baptized. We will be scheduling a baptismal service at the beginning of the year. And so through this season, if, you, if you've not been baptized, please uh, be looking. I think it's the first Sunday of the year or the second Sunday. We've, we've scheduled it, uh, but we'll let you know. You need to be baptized. Jesus was a great example in that. Then it says, and he was praying 
when he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. What I want you to notice here, first of all, Jesus is a great example for us, but he's 30 years old here. And he had lived a righteous life, we believe a sinless life up to this point. But something in this interaction catapulted Jesus into a different realm of blessing, of favor, of usefulness. It was like game on at this point. Now he's operating at a different level. And what it was, it was the Holy Spirit coming down. We saw Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this picture. And if you turn to Luke chapter 4, just to the next page, the Holy Spirit of God shows up in Jesus' life. And the Holy Spirit is what is the defining variable here. And look what happens in Luke chapter 4. It says here, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. He returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. So now he's full of the Holy Spirit, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of that time, he was hungry, I bet, right? Because he was fully man, fully God. We understand that. But what I want you to see here in verse 1, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, if we look at that, Jesus returned in Galilee after being in the desert and in the power. He was full of the power of the Spirit and news about him spread everywhere to the point that he opened up scripture in the synagogue and he said he acknowledged the truth, the prophecy being fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 18, is upon me, is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom of of the prisoners and to recover the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so in chapter 4 here of Luke, there's been a shift now. The Holy Spirit is now utilizing Jesus in a different way. What did it look like for Jesus to be full of the Spirit? It's interesting. In verse 1, he led him into the wilderness, into a desert place. And you think about that, and you think, well, man, if the Holy Spirit was going to fill us this morning, wouldn't that be incredible? What would God do? Well, he may lead some of us into a wilderness place, not glamorous, a place to wrestle with things. It could even be a tough place. How many know what the Lord calls? It's not always, he doesn't call us to what's easy, but he may call us to something that's difficult, maybe preparing you to be used. For, for him, it was 40 days being tempted in the desert. That certainly wasn't easy. We think, oh, it was just Jesus. It must have been. Listen, he was fully man. 40 days without food and being tempted and that whole exchange, we don't have time to look at it, of the devil coming and tempting Jesus over and over, it wouldn't have been easy. And I want to just say that for us, when the Holy Spirit fills us and to the fullness of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit may lead us into tough places. As you're filled with the Spirit, He may lead you to ask for forgiveness in a relationship. How many know that's never easy? 
For he may lead you into a wilderness season away from old friends. He may lead you to be separating yourself from the world for a season. He could be calling you to missions. He could be calling you in different ways. But we don't know that. Jesus was led into the desert. And not only was the Holy Spirit leading us into the wilderness, let's look at the effect of the Holy Spirit on Jesus' ministry. If you read from this point on, Jesus, his ministry explodes. There's healings. He's driving out evil spirits. He's calling people to repentance. There's people getting saved, although they wouldn't have called it being saved at that point. And Jesus' love for the people increased exponentially. Jesus, full of the Spirit, was effective to advance the gospel. And I think the exact same thing is true for us. The same is true. Put your name in there. My name's Ben. Ben, full of the Spirit, is effective to advance the kingdom of God. Rachel, full of the Spirit. Logan, full of the Spirit. You are effective to advance the kingdom of God and ultimately to reach one more. That's why we exist. Not to feel good on a Sunday morning, although certainly it feels good when the presence of God is there. And it's not even to set us apart in some sort of elite mentality that we are you know, better than. It's certainly not self-serving. Jesus came to serve. He modeled that for us. But it's to reach one more, to be more productive. And in order for us to be more productive, we must be full of the Holy Spirit. In the hustle and bustle this morning, I totally forgot to bring my illustration. And I thought when I got here, I thought, oh, maybe we've got some sponges here. What I wanted to do, in my garage, I've got a couple sponges that I use just in the winter for winter car washing. But uh, how how many have ever had a sponge in your hand, right? All right, anybody not know what a sponge is? (laughs) All right, okay, all right, good. And I I would have even had a picture of it if I would have been more prepared. But um, I I forgot to grab it this morning. And then this one sponge we had was this nasty yellow sponge that I don't even know what we'd use it for back in the back. I ended up throwing it away uh, this morning. But anyway, so we don't have an illustration. But I want you to imagine a sponge. You pull it out of the package when it's new. And how many realize a sponge by itself is kind of gruff. It's kind of rough. Um, you would, you know, on your face, it hurts, right? I, I certainly, I don't know how much you care about your car, but you know, on my car, there's not a chance that I'm going to take a sponge without water in it and put it on my car. I'm just not going to do that because I'm thinking it's going to leave some hairline fractures. Isn't that right, Charlie? <laughs> right? And, uh, and so you don't do that. And a uh, sponge is hard, it's crusty, and, it, and for our purpose of illustration, a sponge that is not engaged with water, it is not very useful. Everyone tracking with me? You wouldn't use it for very much. And again, not for my car. I, I put that in my notes. I want to make sure that was clear. All right. In fact, oh, one time, I'm, now I'm totally going off my notes, but that's okay. This is a fun story. I won't tell this second story, second service because my in-laws will be here. But one time, <laughs> my mother-in-law thought she was going to be helpful and she grabbed a broom in the winter to brush off my car. And not just the window, but the paint. I walked out and I about died. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so you just don't do that. And, uh, and if, if, you, 
If you grab a rake or a broom, I mean, that's fine for you. I'll take care of my own car, okay? All right. But anyway, but a sponge, when you add water, right, it's a different story, right? Now it's effective in my hands to do the work that it's encouraged to do or what it was built to do. And with a sponge, you pour water on it, it kind of fills up and it becomes soft and moldable. And then that water, it kind of holds water and it's usable uh, to wash something or to clean something. You can kind of wring it out and when it's wet, then it can absorb some other things. And uh, sponges are kind of a neat thing. And the key for us is that Jesus, he's the Holy Spirit baptizer, right? He pours into our lives that are kind of crusty and uh, hard, right? And he makes us more usable when he fills us with his spirit. And then what does a sponge do? It leaves a mark, doesn't it? Even if the sponge has been ringed out and you kind of leave it on the counter, you pick it back up, it leaves a wet mark. It, it, especially if it's full and you, get, you bump a, a sponge or you, you, know, you kind of squeeze it a little bit, it's going to let some of that water out. And that's what our lives should be. We should bump into others as we go. And the Spirit of God should pour out, should make a difference, leave a mark on other people. Are you tracking with me? That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we're filled, we advance the kingdom of God with words of encouragement, with the prophetic, with healing and faith, with words of knowledge and discernment, maybe to serve in a hospitable way. The Holy Spirit just overflows, and all of a sudden, what you once were, you're different, you're softer, there's something different about you. You're serving, you're witnessing is easier because it just comes out. It's natural. Maybe it's in the area of giving or in an area of leadership. The Holy Spirit, living in that fullness of the Spirit, it makes a difference on our environment, where we live and where we go. The Spirit makes us better. It makes us better as husbands and wives. It makes you a better student if you're a student. It makes you better in your business. It makes you better as a parent, as a friend. You fill in the blank what, uh, in your context. It helps you as an as a, uh, area director for housing. It helps you in all of these areas. So Jesus, full of the Spirit, he was led to the wilderness. It helped him with his effectiveness in ministry, which is, I would say, an understatement. And what's neat is you, as you study, Jesus, he needed the Spirit of God. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and he modeled that and received that and was full of the Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be immersed, to be soaked, to be filled. You say, why? So that the gifts of the Spirit can pour out of us. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. That great verse, which I love, uh, that I'm enjoying, is that now to each one, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. To each one. Again, like a sponge. Now, a sponge can dry out again and then needs to be refilled, and that certainly may be the case today. But the point is our lives, we should be full and to be overflowing with the Spirit of God on a regular basis. Now the goal, as I've thought about this, of this series, 
is not to really debate what it looks like from a theological standpoint of what the theology of the Holy Spirit, and uh, certainly it's defendable. We talked about that again back in May of 2016. But I, and, and that's not the goal. And my goal is to understand that there's nothing normative about the Holy Spirit uh, in general. And so let's not put the Holy Spirit in a box. But what does God respond to in our lives? That's what I want us to kind of acknowledge this morning as we begin to close. I don't think the Holy Spirit or God responds necessarily to our theology if we have our, he doesn't wait till we have our theology 100% correct in order to move on us or to fill us. And how many are grateful for that? Because we may never get there, right? But what I think God responds to is our hearts. It's our hearts to be more like him. And as I've thought about this, and I shared this second service last week at the end of the service, and I didn't first, so if you were only here first service, you didn't hear this. And I'm going to ask the worship band to come and to kind of prepare our hearts. But what does success look like for us? What does a win in this series look like? And I mentioned last week that when I was in playing basketball, my coach, uh, Coach Littlejohn, he would describe a successful practice uh, with the, at the end of practice looking a lot like this, bent over, holding our baggy shorts, sweat dripping off of our face, where we have given 110% during practice, where we couldn't give anything else. That was the picture of success, if you can just imagine that. And there were a lot of practices that we had great success in that way. And then what he would say, Coach Littlejohn would say, he'd say, look, if we give it all here, then when game time comes, it becomes second nature. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this series, and I was thinking, okay, all right, for us, what would it look like to have a successful service, which this is just practice here, that when game time comes, when we leave this place, that it becomes second nature? What would that look like? And again, it's not that we would come to a place of 100% agreement of theology, that everyone now agrees with what, what we believe. Instead, a picture of success I think the Lord gave me as I had been preparing the week in advance, and then Pastor Pale had to fill in. But the picture of success was really this, that we'd find ourselves on our knees. We'd find ourselves on our knees in a place where we could be filled again. You know, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, a lot of people quote that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It goes on in verse 13, Jeremiah 29, 13. There's a promise. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What we're talking about this morning is a heart issue. You will seek me and find me. That's the promise. You will find the Lord. The Holy Spirit will fill you when you seek him with all your heart. 
with everything that's within you. And this morning, we've left some room to respond. And I just want to take a quick moment here to say that the Holy Spirit certainly has a role in salvation. He's the one that convicts us. He brings us to a place of repentance. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're ready to receive Jesus, and I know this wasn't a salvation message. In fact, uh, it's advised to preach Jesus to non-believers and reserve preaching about the Holy Spirit to believers. But if you are by chance here and you don't know Jesus yet, I want to introduce you to him. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand if you're ready to receive Jesus? Say, man, I, I, I'm a sinner and I need the Lord. If that's you, anyone here this morning, first service, week in and week out, we give opportunity to do this. And it's so important. I don't want to rush past this. If you need the Lord in your life, the Holy Spirit is working and you don't even realize it, and that's okay. But the spirit, that, that feeling of, of, of uh, I need some help or I need someone to, to forgive me of my sins, if, that's, if you, that's where you are today, just lift up your hand where you are. I just want to pray with you. Anyone at all here first service? Give you the opportunity. All right, I don't see any hands, and that's okay. Although my heart, I want you to know, wouldn't it be incredible that every time we give a, a, a call like that, that someone would be here? And the reality is, is we need to be inviting, and uh, that's a whole nother story. And that's part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, as we kind of come to a close, I'm going to ask that we would respond maybe in a real practical way. If you're here this morning and are desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you say why? It's ultimately to be more effective to advance the kingdom of God. You're saying, okay, if, if you're here and you say, man, I would love to have a bigger heart for the world, if that's you, right now, I just want you to stand right where you are. Just right now. Who would say, man, I, I would love to have a bigger heart for the world. Okay? If you are here today and you're raising kids and you're saying, you're acknowledging that you would love the Holy Spirit's help to raise your kids, I'd like for you just to stand right where you are. If you're in the midst. Or... Let's say you've got a prodigal son or daughter or maybe a, a prodigal parent uh, that you are believing for. If you have someone in your life that you're believing God for to reach them and you need the Holy Spirit to help, I want you just to stand right where you are. If you're here this morning, you're desiring the Holy Spirit to fill you and to, to heal you in some way that his presence would heal and touch, I want you to stand as well. And certainly, this morning, if you have a lost friend, someone that doesn't know Jesus, or a lost spouse, someone that doesn't serve the Lord, I'm going to ask that you would stand. As we stand this morning, 
recognizing that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God in order to be effective to advance the kingdom in all these areas. My encouragement is now that we would find ourselves on our knees. And I want to just open the altars and then I want to just walk you through a couple things and then we're going to worship together and respond. But I'm just asking that you would move. If you're standing, I'm just going to ask that you find an altar here this morning and I want you to find you yourself on your knees. A place of success in my mind. The win of this series is that we as a congregation would find ourselves at an altar asking God to fill us once again. And before we sing, before we do anything, I want to ask you a couple questions. When is the last time that you said with your own words, out loud, with your own mouth, I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. When is the last time you thanked the Holy Spirit for his work in your life? When is the last time you prayed to the Holy Spirit directly? And then when is the last time that you worshiped to the Holy Spirit directly? And with that, I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us, and I want us to find ourselves in an altar and just in a place where we can be filled this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning, as we close our service, a picture of success is a place where we're on our knees to the point where our, our knees are sore. There's one other verse I want to bring us to, and I mentioned it briefly earlier. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says this. It says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Whatever you are facing in this season, the Spirit is here to help you, to fill you, to make you more effective. It says, we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Have you ever been there before where you say, man, I don't even know what to pray for, what that would even look like, right? And then it says, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Certainly in our, our, our theology, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, and uh, certainly that could be incorporated here. But then it goes on. It says, He searches our hearts, knows our mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. See, when we are filled to the fullness of the Spirit, we are more likely to live in the will of God. Not that we're perfect. <laughs> we still make mistakes. Man, do we ever make do I ever make mistakes? But we're more likely to make good choices when the spirit of God is filling us. 
this morning. I want us to close our time with this picture of heaven coming to earth in our lives. What would that look like in your context? As you could reach that unsaved loved one, you become more effective in your work or on your sports team, your school situation changes, your marriage heals up, your finances are turned around, or maybe you walk in wholeness and healing like you never have before. That all happens when the Spirit of God touches us. And as we continue in this place of reverence at an altar, and each of us at our own altar, that's what we want to see. We want to see heaven come to earth. Let's continue to worship just for another moment this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here. We acknowledge that you are moving in our midst. And we just want to say we love you, Holy Spirit. Just in your own way, just tell him that you love him. He's a person. Come on. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. And now let's begin to thank him. We thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 Now, just as in basketball practice, my coach used to say, perfect practice makes perfect. As we've spent some time in the presence of God, when we leave this place, that's when game on. That's when we turn it on and we ask the Lord to use us. And if you're ready or interested in the Lord using you this week, I just want you to lift your hands one last time. And I'm going to pray just a blessing over you. Holy Spirit, with our hands raised, we want to be in a posture that you can fill us and that we would be like a sponge, that we would receive your spirit, and then we would infect every place we go, that we would leave a mark for you. You would help us in our work, you'd help us in our relationships, help us in our families, help us in our finances. Lord, that you would help us with our health. Lord, in every area, that we would be leaving a mark It'd be unmistakable, God, that we would infect this lakeshore and ultimately the ends of the earth because of the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that's what we desire. That's the picture of success. And Lord, I pray that it would be true in every single person here. You would touch us now. Touch us now. Touch us now. Mobilize us now for the most effective evangelism to reach one more 
that this place would be full, that Lakeshore would be reached for the gospel, that you'd use us like never before. We pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now we are commissioned, amen, to go, to be used by God. And with that, I close a quick prayer benediction, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and around us in these endeavors. In Jesus' name.